103.3 The Eagle, Tulsa's only classic rock. This is Gus, lucky enough right now to have on the line with me Dr. Jeffrey Gallus, who is the Chief Medical Officer for Utica Park Clinic. Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. So I would love to just take a few minutes to throw out some of the most common questions about the coronavirus that people keep asking, because we get so many conflicting answers. So let's start off with, if somebody does get it, is there anything we're supposed to do other than just self-quarantine and then go to the hospital if it gets worse? Really, I think that, that the answer is pretty straightforward, and I think everyone's heard this many times now. The best thing we can do is stay, stay at home, stay uh, confined, um, you know, distance yourself from your family, and, and do your best to manage your symptoms with simple over-counter solutions like you know, Tylenol for fever and staying hydrated and, uh, and getting plenty of rest. I think the biggest thing we watch for is really the development of shortness of breath. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is people who are having a hard time walking from room to room in the house. I mean, that's the shortness of breath that we get concerned about. And those are the times that we start talking about contacting your primary care doctor and, um, and potentially even going to the hospital. Okay, so just being grossly out of shape like myself is different than walking from room to room and being out of breath. So it gets that absolutely. bad. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about the medicine that we've heard about, this hydrochloroquine? Does that actually work against the coronavirus, and can you actually get it without a prescription? Yeah, that's the $64,000 question. And so, first of all, you cannot get that without a prescription. And, and in the state of Oklahoma, the, the, uh, the governor has actually mandated that if we write that prescription, we have to write specifically what it's for because there's been such a run on this medication in the pharmacies that the people who are actually using it for other things are having a hard time finding it. But the question of whether it works or not is really a question that no one knows. Um, you know, there's been some small preliminary studies that were what we call observational studies. They didn't really match against a control group. And so we really don't know whether this is just a random finding or whether these drugs really do something specific. And, and that's really the whole point of social distancing, is to slow this down so we can study this virus and find the right treatments that work and find out which populations they work in and when we use them. That makes sense. Now, what about our mail and grocery deliveries? Uh, are they safe or does my girlfriend have to keep spraying everything down for five minutes before it's allowed in the apartment? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I think it, it depends on exposures. You know, those things that are being delivered, um, you know, to your home, they're probably fairly safe. Um, and I, you know, and going to grocery shopping, I don't think you have to spray every container down. But you darn sure should be wiping down the handles of the shopping basket. You should, you should make sure you're washing your hands before you go into the store and after. And you should be wearing a mask when you're out in public right now. I think we all feel that, that the best thing to do to protect each other is to be as careful as possible. So, so I think that those kind of things are kind of the standard responses that we've heard over and over, and I think they're appropriate. Uh, what about food delivery? I know a lot of people are ordering food. Are any foods more dangerous than others as well, like raw foods? Because I've used the coronavirus on occasion as an excuse to not eat salad, but I don't really know if that's based on anything. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would say broccoli the same way. But, but no, I think, you know, <laughs> rinse your foods just like you always do. Um, you know, I think food deliveries are safe, and, and there's no evidence that, the, that, that this virus is spread uh, through through food particles. So, so I think that, that, that food deliveries are safe. And, and again, support your community. You know, utilize um, you know, the carryouts and, uh, and these to make sure that, you know, that all the companies in our communities are, are at least um, you know, having some, you know, some way of pr protecting their income streams. That's great advice. Now, how about when we come in from outside? Do we need to strip off our clothes immediately and throw them in the laundry? You know, I think if you work in areas where you have lots of exposure, I mean, healthcare workers is a good example. We, we, we really recommend people change clothes in the garage, um, you know, uh, wash the clothes 
um, you know, because those exposures are, are significant. If you work in a grocery store or you work in, a, in an environment where you're, you're critical of the economy and you have, you're exposed, I think it's a good idea. But just routine things like being outside, working in the yard, walking in the street, you really don't need to do those kind of things. I think you know, standard precautions like we talked about, hand washing, covering your mouth when you cough and sneeze, all those things are the things that we would recommend. Uh, but, but I think for the routine activities around the, around the house, around the neighborhood, you really don't need to strip off when you come in the house. Okay, that's cool. Um, now, my girlfriend and I were both sick a couple of months ago, and it turned out for both of us, neither one of us had the flu. And now we're wondering whether or not we had the coronavirus and it just wasn't a bad strain. Is there any reason that we need to know that or to get tested for something like that? And if you did have it... Do we know if that gives you some kind of an immunity for it? Yeah, and I think, you know, this virus, um, you know, historically, the coronavirus uh, family in general, um, you know, we, we think that there's probably going to be immunity that, that once you've been exposed, you won't get uh, ill again from the, the, from the virus. But because this is a new virus and, this, and viruses have a tendency to mutate and change, Time is going to answer that question, but but I think it is important, and I think other countries are really starting to do this, testing for these antibody tests um, to make sure that if you've been exposed, we know you've been exposed, because we do think that that may be the opportunity for us to open up our economy and allow people to get out and do more. If you've had an exposure, we see an antibody test in your blood, that, that's a good possibility that we can count, kind of now let you um, be a little bit more socially engaged to go out and to do things. And um, those tests are coming available in the next uh, few weeks. And, and I think within, uh, within the month, we'll be able to do uh, antibody testing, which is a blood test, to see if you actually have had the illness. And, and I think that will change um, the paradigm of how we socially distance um, you know, moving forward. You touched on this earlier, the wearing of masks. I know they recommend we wear them if we go out now. But what if you're just going for a walk or you're not going to the, you know, to the supermarket or something like that? You're going to avoid people anyway. Do you still need to wear a mask? Yeah, I think you're fairly safe. If you're, if you're um, you know, outside of six feet from other people and, and you're not really having close contact, I don't think a mask is necessarily needed. Um, I think in our practices, in our offices, in the community where you're engaging people and you know you're going to probably bump into people and be close to people, that's where I think a mask is most important. And, and remember, you know, the, the mask that we make, the paper mask, the, you know, those, those type of masks, they don't really protect you from viruses coming through the mask and getting infected. What they really do is protect large droplets that, that you might produce if you cough or sneeze from getting out into the, into the air around you. And so if you're infected and having very mild symptoms and don't recognize it, this potentially protects other people. But it's not necessarily going to keep you from getting infected if someone is right in your face and coughs or sneezes while you're, while you're wearing that mask. Okay, yeah, I don't want anybody coughing or sneezing anywhere near me anyway, so that, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Um, all right, two more questions for you, Doc, and then I will let you go. What about pets? I just recently heard that cats can get it, but they don't think pass it on to humans. Uh, now, my cat currently, since I'm working at home, is my co-host, so do I have to worry about him? And if I do get sick, do I have to keep the cat away? Yeah, so so there's reports about uh, about you know potentially people transmitting this to the pets, um, and and these are very very scant. So I wouldn't worry too much about you getting a pet infected. But but what we do worry about is if a person is sick and they have a coronavirus and they're petting the pet and they're sneezing on the pet and all the things that we do, and that pet goes out and someone else pets and the, uh, pets that animal and then wipes their face, there's a potential that that pet could be the vector just by carrying the virus on their fur um, uh, to a family. 
family member. So if a person is sick and they're kind of self-quarantined, we really recommend that we keep the pets away from them for that one reason. Um, but, but we're not really too much worried about um, you infecting your pet if you have coronavirus. All right. Well, that's good news. Uh, Feffy, you should be happy to hear that. Okay, the, cat's, the cat seems happy. <laughs> and lastly, Doc, if you had to guess, when do you think, and this is, I'm sure, just a guess, but if you had to guess, when do you think they'll lift all these restrictions so people can start hanging out and going to events again? Yeah, I think what everyone's looking for is really the hospitals being able to manage the volume of patients coming in over time. So we've got all kinds of projections, and the projections are just that. They're just good guesses. Um, we think you know, probably by the end of April or uh, May, we're going to see some leveling off. In Oklahoma, for example, we really haven't seen a surge in our hospitals, and our hospitals are managing the capacity fairly well. Um, over the next month or two, we're going to have a better feel for what's going to happen in our markets. And, and, and if we see that the hospitals are maintaining the volumes, they're able to take care of the sickest patients, then I suspect that there'll be a slow lifting. But I don't think anyone's going to snap their fingers and automatically see that the world returns back to the pre-COVID days. It's going to be a slow process. We'll slowly add more activities and watch and see. And if we see big surges in infection again, then we'll have to clamp things down again. So I think it's going to be kind of more like, um, you know, slowly, um, you know, turning, turning on the hose and seeing how things go. And, and if we manage the infectious process, and we can give all of these trials of these new medications a chance to give us a better feel for what's right and what's going to work, then we can kind of turn the faucets on and let everyone kind of get out and do the things that we're used to doing. All right. Dr. Jeffrey Gallus, Chief Medical Officer of Utica Park Clinic, spreading some knowledge for us. I appreciate it very much, Doc. Thank you so much, and thank you for everything you're doing. My pleasure. Thank you.